and welcome to another episode of the Photography Bar. My name's Cam and I'm pleased to join you again and I've got Mark with me today. Hi, how you doing? You alright? How are you feeling, Cam? Because we had to cancel an episode last week. We did. That was for, for the first time since the pod started in January 2020, before we even knew about lockdown. So bear in mind, the podcast was never started because of lockdown. It was started before that. Yeah. The idea came months before that, and we did it. Yeah, I've, um, I have I tested positive, despite having both jabs. And um, I've had worse colds, uh, put it that way. However, saying that, um, the last few days of it, of my 10 days of isolation, um, I suffered from a tight chest and a cough, which I've still got, and I'm probably going to struggle a little bit with today's pod. But to be honest with you, uh, really, as I said, like I've, I've had worse colds. So does that mean I'm going to get a word in edgeways today, Cam? <laughs> well, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but saying that, for the 10 days that I was actually sort of having to isolate, I was really busy. And that was actually quite a good thing because it kept my mind focused on work. So I had loads of editing to do. I had loads of emails to reply back to. And I was having to shift jobs about. And also I had to use one or two other photographers as well um, to help me out with a couple of jobs here and there as well. Um, but yeah, no, all's good. And here we are in a, in a bar and you might hear some music and and um, glasses chinking in the back, clinking or chinking in the background rather, um, because where Mark and I, again, are recording this on location. Yes, we are. So, um, yeah, we're, we're in Rotherham at the moment. We're in the Beef Eater. Um, I don't, what's this one actually called? It's on Bawtree Road, if anyone knows uh, yeah. Rotherham. Um, I'll have to find and we're staying at the Bawtree Road um, Premier Inn. Uh, and I don't know whether it's in the centre of... Uh, Mark's just run over to the bar to actually go and ask uh, where we are. And here we come. And what is it, Mark? It's called the Brex Beef Eater in Rotherham. Okay, yeah. so this is the Brex Beef Eater in Rotherham. This is where we are. So we're recording here. And we've got a couple of whiskies on the go. There is music in the background. And uh, hopefully the audio will be, uh, will be okay. So what you got for us this week, Mark? Say that again, sorry. What you got for us this week? <laughs> well, um, I've just thrown you in at the deep yeah, end yeah, there. Yeah, you kind of have. I mean, it's been um, quite an interesting uh, couple of weeks. It's been really busy. Um, now, a friend of mine who owns a studio, Studio 88, I'll give him a bit of a shout out. Um, he reckons there should be a drinking game for every time you can mention graduation photography. So, get your glasses charged because um, guess where we are. <laughs> guess why we're in Rotherham. That's right, graduation photography. Yep. Drink up. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> So, so uh, Mark and I are here with, um, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a few of us, part of the graduation uh, team and uh, photography. Um, and yeah, basically we're here for three days. Uh, tomorrow is the last day. Um, and it's, it's a big part of what we do. So, the, uh, you know, the graduation stuff. Um, but we, we won't talk too much about it because we, we, you know, uh, we do mention it quite a lot. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, but um, just for those who are drinking, graduation photography. Yes, right, yeah. Okay, so Mark, I wanted to, I came across uh, uh, this, this, this story on Metro that somebody had passed to me, and it was about homeless people who were given cameras to document London. And I did, wasn't actually aware of this, but each year since 2013, the My London Photo Project has handed out 100 single-use Fujifilm quick snap cameras to London residents who are either 
who are either currently homeless, have experienced homelessness in the past, or at the risk of becoming homeless due to addiction or mental health issues. And I'm just reading this out through the Metro um, paper, because it's a great story. And it says, along with these cameras, it, uh, it's a simple direction. Take photos to document your lives. And this year, including the previous 15 months due to COVID's impact on the project, the theme was Beautiful London. And what they've done is um, they've created a calendar uh, and 50% of the profits of the sale uh, of the photos are going to a good cause. Um, and it's to do with training individuals in photography. That's what it's actually going for. So it's, it's a fantastic. It, it, I, I actually never actually heard of this, uh, Mark. I don't know if you'd ever come across it. No, no, I haven't. I mean, um, I'm hoping, I'd assume it'd be homeless charities that the, the money would be going to, which is obviously a great thing. But um, I think actually there's a, sort of a, a window into a certain world that, you know, most of us are fortunate not to have to, to go in. And my, my heart just go out to those people who do have to, to suffer homelessness and but I mean, homelessness does take quite a few different types, doesn't it? I mean, you have the, the you know, what we think of a homeless person maybe living literally on the streets, but some people are just um, couch surfing, aren't they? So you will get a variety of different pictures, and it's a window in the world that most of us, as I say, won't won't know much about. Mm. So um, I mean, looking through these photos, I mean, there are some really, really cool, interesting, um, interesting shots here from a, from a viewpoint that as I say is quite unique to, to the most to most of us. I think so. And um, one thing about the images we're going to obviously too much here, but they scream colour. Because colour is a big that's the first thing I noticed about the pictures yeah. is um, how the, the colour look I mean there's a black and white there actually but <laughs> colour is the colour is the amazing thing as we go through them. And yeah. if you do want to have a, um, a look at the pictures they are actually on display uh, in Brixton, the Minate Library in Brixton, London and they're also being sold online through the Cafe Art website as well. So guys check that out. I think that would be, um, it's, a, it's something that uh, I wasn't aware of but scrolling through the pictures, some fantastic images there. And Mark, do you see what I mean about colour being yeah. um, you know um, and I think, it's, I think it's great. So, but yeah, I came across that and I was trying to bring it up. Now, yeah, I mean, I was just going to say there's, um, there's a lot of character. Um, there's a lot of character in a lot of these. Um, there's some, there's some, and like you say, there's a lot of colour to it as well. I mean, we'll, um, we'll post this Metro um, link on, our, on, on the episode um, description. Um, but definitely check it out, guys, because it's um, yeah, some really interesting work there. Yeah. Now, moving on to something different, uh, Mark, I was recently working with um, somebody who was doing some editing, um, and what I found was doing, it's, it's amazing how differently we all look at work, mm. and what we think makes a good edit, or when we're editing our pictures, what, what makes the best final image? Well, this is why photography, uh, along with any sort of art form is really interesting because you know a lot of people look at the technical side and they kind of go this is right this is wrong but actually a lot of with it when it comes to photography it's very subjective so one one person's um, idea of an amazing photo isn't the same as another person's so you know and that's the beauty of it you know it is that art form there is an art form in it um, so it can be really really and yeah that's why it's really different yeah, no, I do agree with you. But however, um, I think when you're looking at, say, I don't know, let's say you're doing a landscape or something, then as a photographer, you can do whatever you want with that image. You can, you can put weird and wonderful effects on it. However, but there are certain images 
that have got to be correct for tone, for colour. Now it could be a picture of somebody, say for example, you know. Well, I suppose it depends on what that picture's for. I mean, you know, this is where the subjective stuff comes into and, and, and you know, if you're creating an image, uh, if it's personal work, personal work aside, if, if it's for a brief or there is something that you have to create for this, um, then there has to be certain, I guess, rules that you have to sort of adhere by. Um, colour correction and, and sharpness and, and all that kind of stuff all comes into that. Yeah, and I think what I'm getting at is not so much experimental stuff. I'm not talking about that. I think what I'm talking about is you've got an, Im you've got an image, and let's talk about an image of a person, for example, and that image has got to look pretty much the way it was shot. I'm talking about the person's skin tone needs to look correct. If, if Let's just say a subject who is wearing a blue suit. The, blue, the suit's got to look blue. It's, I'm not talking about you editing that picture, making the suit look green or something. But again, with that, um, yes, I understand what you're saying. But I think it was a few years ago, wasn't it? There was that um, photo going around with, was it a golden blue dress? Some people saw, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people yeah. saw one colour and other people saw another colour. Um, and it divided people because yeah. it was the same dress, but people were seeing completely different things. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. And, and you see a lot of that on... Uh, you, you look through books or social media and you see that, don't you? We all see things differently. But I'm talking about literally an image that's taken and let's let, let's uh, okay let's look at the, um, the queen for example okay you go and take a picture of the queen okay and it's the queen's official portrait okay so i think the queen has an official portrait every year yes. is that right yeah whether it's a photo or a painting yeah that's absolutely correct i think i i guess one of their uh, most unfortunate ones was rolf harris did do one didn't oh, he yeah. Um, yeah he did yeah, yeah. Uh, so i'm not sure how much i want to shout about that one but um but but even then though and uh, you know they're all different you know yes yeah. it's a portrait of the queen but they're all very different in the different yeah. styles yeah yeah, but generally, if you're going to do a portrait of the Queen photographically, uh, you, the, I, I guess the expectation is is it's not it's going to be it's not going to be experimental. Okay, it's got to be the perfect skin tone. It, the the colour's got to be. And I'm talking about images now that have got to be correct for colour. Okay, because we all shoot pictures, and let, let's say a wedding, for example. Well, with a wedding, you don't want to turn someone's face green, do you? Okay, you've got to have the correct skin tones. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm talking... Okay, so I'm talking about images that have to be... that should be correct for colour, okay, and tone and everything. And when, when we're editing, we've all, we've, we all see things differently because our eyes see differently. Some people are colourblind, and I get all of that, so we all see things differently. However... One of the things that is different it are, are all the screens that we're editing on. Now, some people use calibrated screens. Some, some people will use a Mac. Some people will use a, a PC. Some people use a, 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 a Lenovo laptop or a Hewlett-Packard laptop or whatever. Now, all those screens are going to be different. There's going to be variations. Okay, so you can always say that you've done... And let's talk about this picture of the Queen again, okay? Yeah. All right. Now if four different people edited it it would probably they would all look slightly different but there's what we call an acceptable range okay they would all fall into what is still correct okay and in within that acceptable range of slight tone so slight color tones and difference now that could be the way the editor see the pictures or the screens that we're editing on well again i think it comes back to what i was saying before i think it's really down to 
the brief and what it is. I mean, we're talking about this, um, the, the portrait of the Queen, but actually, um, it's been a while since I looked at them, but I think if you were to scan across them all, yes, okay, no one's got her skin as green, but generally there is a, a, an element of skin difference, I'd say, and there's the, uh, you know, so look at some are painterly, you know, you look at some sort of oil paintings and what have you and actually what they try and do is they reflect the colors that are in the room within the skin because actually that is what the eye is seeing so yeah, yeah. so there is a variance in that but I yeah. guess it really depends on what the brief is now I've not had the uh, I have not been fortunate enough to be asked by Buckingham Palace to take a portrait of the Queen but I'd imagine if there is there'd be a certain a few there'd be a few things that would be no no so you wouldn't be able to give her a Mohican for example no, right. you know so but Again, it just comes down to what I think we're talking about pictures that, that have got to look correct, okay, not experimental. Now, the point I'm trying to make is that a lot of editors will edit and edit and edit and edit a picture because they feel they ought to be doing that. Okay, and I think one of the things that I'm finding with editors, and I've seen um, examples of images recently, is the oversharpening of images. Okay, I see a lot of uh, I see now a lot of images because we're used to seeing pictures on phones, HDR and all of that. So we start to think so we start to think that's the norm. And I'm seeing more and more pictures that are just being over sharpened that are so far away from the original that they don't look right, that they don't even need any sharpening at all. And I'm talking about uh, I'm not talking about it's like I keep saying that I know I keep saying the same thing I'm not talking about experimental stuff I'm talking about do we all know how to take an image in any lighting conditions and make it and and create a true replica of the conditions it was actually taken in I understand what you're saying um and I, I understand you're saying there's this range, isn't there? Because like you said... An acceptable range. Acceptable range because, you know, people do see things differently. I, I, I go back to the example I said about that golden blue dress. You know, people saw things very differently with that picture. Um, but yes, I understand what you're saying. I mean, for me, if I'm shooting a wedding or if I'm shooting family portraiture, you know... First of all, it has to be in focus, right? So, uh, focus on the eyes, got to be sharp, right? But I have to say, when I'm doing um, when, when I'm doing like an edit for family, so I will add a little bit of sharpening just at the end, just, oh, just a little bit of, but not to yeah. the point where you go, oh my god, that's sharp. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like sharp in your face. Yeah. Oh no, I agree with that because if I do a wedding, if, if I do a wedding edit and I put the image into Lightroom, I will give every image a standard. Um, sharpness just one tick standard sharpness corrected for um, printing I think that's one of the options you have you have screen you have print so I do that I think one of the things you have to realize as well is the way that cameras work too you know if you're shooting raw actually um, and I think this is still a thing but you know uh, I remember back when I started with venture there was this thing about how the backs um, because we were using a Hasselblad with a phase one back at the time you know they they were you had this thing called moiring um, which is basically you may have seen it on on, on TV if someone's wearing some a, a certain type of outfit or you kind of get this rainbow colors going through yeah. because because the pattern and the camera aren't, aren't melding very well and, and you get this weird sort of thing or you get that in stills as well and uh, digital camera manufacturers realized it's because that they were sharpening rules and so what they did was they would make sure that the the rules weren't that sharp 
So when you develop them through, mm. that's when you do the sharpening, and it gets rid of that horrible moiring thing, which, 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 which was happening. You get that on a lot of grey suits, don't you? Yes, grey yeah. suits and, and, and ties as well. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, if you they are very if you go on the news or, or something like that, they, the ties and things like that mm. are very much selected so that moiring thing doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah, and I think overall, I, I guess what 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 my whole this whole thing that we're talking about is about saying that don't sometimes you don't you don't need to move away from the, the actual originality of, of what the image should actually look like I'm all for experimenting I'm always for doing weird and wacky and wonderful amazing things but I think it's really important to know how to create an image that is actually correct okay that is actually true to true to life it's got the right skin tone so if somebody has got like an olive skin does the skin look olive is somebody wearing a navy suit does the suit actually look navy is it actually correct and i think that's much harder to do than experimental stuff you know we, we look at pictures and say oh i wanted to create this weird and wacky um, um color tone yes you have you you've, you've done that but it's actually quite easy to do I mean, I would just pull you up on something there, Cam, because you've, you've used the word weird and wacky mm. quite a few times there. Mm. And for me, you know, and especially for myself, talking for myself mm. and, and what I would hope of talk was no one actually goes out and goes, you know what, I'm going to do a weird and wacky photo. I don't think so. There should be really a plan involved in, in the, the end thing that you want to create or your, your sort of... Um, exploring a certain aspect of someone maybe if it's a portrait mm. maybe it's their eyes or maybe it's something so if you want to really sort of extenuate uh, their eyes then maybe you would bleach their skin out a little bit with a bit of curves and just to bring their eyes out a little bit because that is the focus of what you want to do so it's not just doing it for the sheer bloody hell of it it's really just doing it because no this is this is why I'm doing the shoot, this is why I want to do this. Obviously that's different with weddings, um, but you know, sometimes if there's a certain color that the bride said, no, 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 you've got to get this color, then maybe you would actually then make sure that everything is fine, but that color has to come in because there is a reason for it. You know, you have that end goal, that's your brief. Um, so even with like so-called experimental stuff, I don't think any photographer goes into a studio with a model and goes, I just want to do an experiment. Generally, they'll have an idea of what they want to do. They've chosen that model for a certain reason. They've chosen the lighting they're going to use for a certain reason because there's a certain look they're trying to get hold of. So that is when you're not necessarily going to the conventions of maybe skin colour or, or as in exposure and, and how that skin's looking. You know, if you want to go for that sort of bleached with, with eyes, then you maybe you would choose someone who does have actually quite light skin but very piercing eyes, and then you accentuate that through your lighting, through your um, your developing, and um, all the things you do in Photoshop for it. Um, so yeah, I, so I have an issue with the the weird and wacky thing. Yeah, I, I, I guess I was taking it to one extreme, but I want to bring it back to, and yeah, if you're having a drink, it's to do with the back to graduation photography. So graduation photography is a perfect example of this. Chin chin. Chin chin, yeah. <laughs> so graduation photography is an example of this because you, um, like, you know, when we're shooting hundreds of people and you've got to edit those pictures afterwards, you need to make sure that, do you really know what you're doing with your editing as far as, say, skin tones are concerned? Because it's, because... That people see themselves differently as well. 
But this goes back to something that I did at uni. I mean, many years ago when I was doing a sort of architectural photography and, and I did one of the, the Derby University atrium on Kettleston Road, which was their main sort of building. And Derby University, I think they still do now, but they had the time, they had a certain green as part of their part of the logo and it was quite important for me to get that green because they had this green sort of mapped out in the buildings here and there now at graduation photography chin chin uh, we uh, you know you have certain colors don't you in the in the hoods so you got to make sure that that red is that red it can't be maroon it has to be red you know so there's certain elements there that have to be true to form as well yeah absolutely I get that yeah that's right yeah so essentially it's knowing that when you're editing are you actually creating a true representation of the actual image or, or the conditions as they were at the time? That's what, and, and do you know how to do that as an editor? Do you actually know? Do you know what correct skin tones really are? Because we take it for granted because we don't know. I mean, I find that difficult as well because generally the images that I edit are ones that I've shot. So therefore, mm. I was there. I know what the colours are. Yes, there's obviously memory lapse in here and there because obviously if you do editing a couple of days after, you might not be as focused on what that colour was at the time. But generally, you'll have an idea of, yes, that was green and we need to make sure that looks green, for example. Um, but yeah, I find, I mean, I don't do editing generally of work that I haven't shot. So I don't actually know. If I haven't shot it and I don't know what the colour looks like, I would find that difficult, actually. No, but then saying that, it's knowing that even if you haven't shot it, what is, what is natural? What, does, what actually does look natural? What is correct? What is a correct skin tone? Or, if, or, or it doesn't even need to be skin tone. It could be the colour of a building. It could be the colour of a car. It could be what, what is correct. And if you haven't shot it and you are doing an edit, you still need to go for... Do you know what a neutral look actually is? Well, again, it comes to what you're shooting, doesn't it? So, um, you know, for example, if someone, some photographer, took a load of pictures of a Ferrari, just mm. for argument's sake, mm. right? And uh, so it was a certain model of Ferrari, let's say, well, I don't know, the Testarossa, right? I know that's an old one, mm. but um, it's just the one that comes to my mind. Um, and it's the red. You know what Ferrari red looks like. Mm. So if someone said, all right, you need to edit those, I would probably Google Ferrari red mm -hmm. I probably make sure that my reds are matching that Ferrari red um, so I guess that's the way around it if it was just of a wedding and you've not met the bride and groom uh, you don't know what they look like really I mean we're looking at hair color and whatever mm. um, needs to be right absolutely but yeah I agree I, I don't know how you would do that unless you shot it yeah I, well I don't know I don't I don't know you, you you, could, you should still be able to take any scene. I mean, we're in a bar at the moment and there's flashing lights everywhere. You've got like a, uh, a fruit machine over there that's flashing different colours. Okay, you've got the lights that are on behind the bar. You've got all the different mixed lighting and everything. So if you were going to take a picture in this bar, let's just say a photographer took a picture and said, Look, I'll take some picture in the bar. Would you, would, you, could, would you edit these for me? What's going to be correct? Well, again, that comes down to... Because what the eye sees and what the camera sees is very different. I mean, we're in this bar. Mm. It's dark outside. We've just had our dinner, so it's, mm. it's dark. That's the time of night we're at. But, you know, it's all tungsten lighting in here, isn't it? Um, I think. Apart from the fruit machine, maybe. But you've got yeah. some lights up here. So, you know, we're not... When you, when you take a picture and there's tungsten lighting, obviously you have to shoot it with that in mind, don't you? For the colour balance in the camera because otherwise it would be very yellow and you want it to be a bit cooler than that because that's actually what your eye is seeing. 
Yeah, but, uh, but what all I'm saying is, 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 is do you know what to do? That's really what it comes yeah. down to. Do you know what you do? Or, do, do, or, I mean, how much attention are you actually paying to colour and colour balance? And how much do you know about colour balance? In other words, is a, is a picture, does it look a bit green? And if it looks a bit green, what are the fundamentals? What do you need to do? You need to put a little bit of magenta in. Does a picture look a bit too blue? What do you need to do? You need to put a little bit of yellow in. Well, again, that's going on with lighting and stuff. So, mm. you know, if, if you're... We all know strip lighting, it can create that sort of green cast, can't it? So yes, you would if, if the photographer hasn't sort of you know, combated that while mm. shooting and you know, I think the photographer would have to say, Oh yeah, these are looking pretty green, I need the green gone because otherwise it could have been a style that they're going for. Do you know what I mean? One of the films that I really like when it comes to that stuff, you've seen The Matrix, right? I know it's it was it's quite an old film now, <coughs> yeah. uh, but the Matrix kind of reads and everything. Anyone who doesn't hasn't seen it, uh, basically, there's two worlds: there's the real world and there's this computer world that they're kind mm. of avatars of, basically. But every time they're in the Matrix, i.e., the avatar world, there's this green tinge to everything, which kind of makes it look surreal. Mm. And then when they're in the real world, actually, it's more true to life colours. So it's having that knowledge of what the end goal is mm. do you know what I mean so if I was editing a load of images that had a load of uh, fluorescent lights in mm. which give that green tinge and the photographer said to me okay these under fluorescent lights I didn't sort the, 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 the colour balance out mm. when I was shooting that needs to be sorted okay that's fine I know I can put in the magenta get rid of the green maybe get rid of the blue mm. put some yellow in um, that's what you do and you know that and you know that's the look he's going for or she Right, good. Okay, right. I'm going to move on to something else now. After that, that's a bit intense. No, no, we didn't. No, no. I think. Well, the conclusion is is that do you know how to make a picture look neutral or look like it actually should do in the actual conditions it was shot in? That's what I'm saying. I think. Mm. And and how good are you actually do, at doing that? Because that's far harder to do than creating pictures with different tones. I, I agree to the fact, especially if you're doing it blind and you weren't there at the shoot. Mm. I mean, I think one of the greatest things and one of the things I'd probably suggest for photographers to do, if you are shooting and you know someone else is going to edit it, do a grey card or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Because actually in Lightroom, what you can do, you can you can pipette that grey card mm. and then you can change the use that white balance and then sync it to all the other images mm. and that'll automatically correct things like tungsten or fluorescent or whatever so exactly. that, that's probably a good tip that's right yeah and mark did you get a lunch break today i actually did yeah did you and what did you do during your lunch break i ate a sandwich <laughs> <laughs> okay dave newman have you heard of dave newman apart from the fact i've got a friend called dave newman but it's not the friend i know is dave newman do you know have you heard of a photographer called dave newman i have not no but please tell me all about okay. it well dave newman is somebody i came across on um uh, BBC News. Now, Dave, Dave Newman, I don't think, uh, well, he might well do, he might enjoy a sandwich uh, in his lunch break, but uh, what Dave's been doing is he's an amateur photographer and he's been going out and taking uh, wildlife um, photos during his lunch break. Where and where does he work? Does he work in a safari park? Well, it says here, Dave, Dave Newman regularly makes a short trip from his office in the centre of Sleaford, Lincolnshire to the local river to capture its beasts and birds and apparently he's won thousands of fans doing this and what started as an alternative to lunch hour boredom it has exploded into a hobby that has drawn praise from fans worldwide and 
it says here, Mr. Newman said he was overwhelmed by the attention and urged other budding snappers just to get out and shoot. And his obsession with photography start since his obsession with photography started when he first found himself at a loose end during his breaks, and he wanted to do something more than just walking around town. So I popped down in my car to the river in two minutes, he says. Well, that makes me feel really bad because when I was at Jessup's when we had a lunch break, there was an N64 and that's what I did. I played uh, Goldeneye, so that makes me feel really bad. Well, <coughs> excuse me. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, old COVID cough. Um, well, Dave's obviously been using his lunch break to, yeah. you know, to, to, to farm, putting it into far better use. And some of the images that it, he's, he's been taken um, look amazing. And considering, considering that it's just, he's been shooting in just his lunch hour and doing these. Um, well, again, this is another link we need to put out, actually, because, yes, you are right. I mean, there's some beautiful images here. Um, really nice to expose. There's a lot of personality in the animals that he's taking photographs of as well, which is what I really like. It's not just, like, a technically brilliant photo. There's, uh, there's some storytelling in there and some really unique angles. And, again, some of the expressions. I mean, yeah, that one there. Is that a moose? Is that a moose? Uh, looks like he's yawning or yeah. eating. Or, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, there's some really interesting expressions going on from the animals as well. So, yeah. But I think it's one of those things. Some people would say, "Oh, yeah, but it's okay for him. But he's he's in the ideal environment." However, he's found something and, and shot something, and it goes back to um, the first first story we started about the about the homeless people shooting in London. Mm. Okay, they found something to shoot. There's always something to shoot. So, I mean, I wonder how many of you out there listening could actually go out with your cameras in your lunch break and go and find something interesting to shoot. Could, could you do it? Um, well, I don't really get that many lunch breaks these days. I got one today. Um, but uh, <laughs> sometimes when I'm working in Coventry. <laughs> um, but, no, I mean, it's strange, actually, because we did... Um, I was um, obviously doing graduation photography today, Chin Chin. Um, and um, basically... Um, there was a bit of a lull because when the ceremonies happen, we're not doing much. But outside the window where we could see, they had this like temporary fairground, big Ferris wheel, and this, this you've probably seen them at fairgrounds where it's a swing and it turns around and the swings kind of I know. go out. Yeah. But they had this really big one which actually then elevated really high. It was tall as like the, the, most of the buildings in the area and you're swinging. And so, uh, there was me and there was the gowning guy and uh, he was like that would be really cool on, on low depth you know low shot speed and whatever and I was like yeah but I need a tripod and to be quite frankly I couldn't be bothered but um, but he was right it would have been great and I probably yeah. should have done it and yeah. I didn't yeah. well the thing is where we were as an example today we've been saying we're in Rotherham and we've been at the Rotherham United uh, it's the New York Stadium it's called isn't it New York it's Stadium the New York Stadium now um the New York Stadium, I mean, have you seen the, the, the sun during the day there? It's been absolutely fantastic. Well, no, I mean, the thing is, I was in Birmingham today doing another one, wasn't I? So I wasn't there today. Yesterday it was really cloudy, so I didn't really yeah. catch that. But yeah. I did take some shots of the stadium. First thing I did, actually, when we were out there. Yeah, and that, you can get some stunning shots. I mean, some of that, that, the way the sun was, it just seemed really low today. Well, I don't know if you've noticed it, but what I really liked about it, it was because obviously we're in Rotherham and it's obviously it's more north than, than south. And, you know, you can see where we are. You see the, uh, the, the, other, the, other, the opposite side of the stadium where, where the seating is there. And it's got the Rotherham United's nickname, which is the Millers. And that's there. And then above that, you can see this hill. And there's some cottages on the hill. And it just 
reminds me like the Hovis adverts and all yes. the things you think about and I'm clicheing it up to the max here so yeah. I apologise for anyone who's you know in the north uh, in listening from the northern area of, of England but or, or in the country rather um, but it just reminded me of those you know really sort of Oh, what's the word? So traditional football grounds. It's a brand new stadium, so it isn't one of those, but it just reminded me of that with those cottages. So I might explore that tomorrow if I've got a bit of time. Yeah, it's worth it. And they were almost silhouetted today, and, oh. the, and, and there was that mist and that sun that came down. And so in other words, just looking out there, it was an amazing opportunity for photos. Did you take a photo? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Um, well. <laughs> I tell you what, if it's like that tomorrow, we yeah. should take some and then we'll, we'll put them out. Um, yeah. and, and we'll show you, what, show you what we mean. Yeah. So there's, 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 it's always an opportunity. You know, you don't have to have amazing wildlife near you. You don't have to be in the centre of London like these homeless people that have been taking photos. There's always an opportunity. So why don't you set yourselves a target, guys? You know, for, for those of you that aren't professionals, just keen amateurs or keen photographers that want to do something, go out in your lunch hour see what you can shoot see what you can find see what you can create and don't worry if it's on an iPhone either you know I mean I know we take the mickey out of phone cameras sometimes and all that kind of stuff but actually um, I forgot I think we've quoted this before I think it might have been Cartier Bresson who said the best camera you have is the camera you have on you so mm. yeah if you have a lunch break you want to go and it could be something that just interests you don't just take general pictures of the streets or what you think people would want to see mm. Think, look at something that you might want to explore photographically you know think of all the different aspects of it how the light hits something or or the, the texture of something you know that kind of stuff and you can easily get stuff like that with, with the iPhone and it look really great that's right yeah it's all about being creative and that's what we are we're creatives and um, and that's what we want to try and do so see what you can do guys in your lunch hour yeah absolutely um, so um, bit of news then I think we're, we're gonna say obviously oh, yeah it's been a bit of a haphazard couple of weeks because obviously we couldn't do the episode last week. Yeah, the bar was shut. <laughs> yeah, the bar was definitely shut. Um, today, it is actually Thursday today mm. when, we're, when we're recording. This is late Thursday. We usually have actually released this episode by now. Unfortunately, the Wi-Fi where we're at is not great because we're in a hotel, so everyone's using the same Wi-Fi and we're a bit too tight to pay for the, the, the high-res Wi-Fi, uh, whatever. But, um, yeah. High-res Wi-Fi. High-res Wi-Fi. That's <laughs> yeah. now a thing, okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, so, yeah. Basically, this is probably going to come out on Friday, so we apologise for that but it's been a bit of a haphazard couple of weeks but we do have a bit of news I'm not too sure if you remember guys that a um, couple of couple of episodes ago um, might have been a couple of weeks ago therefore it's just one episode ago apologies again um, we spoke about the photographer French photographer um, as Pauline Petit thank you her name just left me then it was Pauline <laughs> um, so yeah Pauline Petit and her work is amazing um, it's one of my new new photography heroes I think because um, her work is brilliant well she actually reached out to us and we are going to try and get her on now um, she doesn't speak English and we don't speak French so we are going to have to get a translator but please stay tuned because we are really excited to get her on and she's up for it so yes watch this space with that
yeah, that's going to be a good one. Looking forward to that. Yeah, certainly wowed by her work for sure. So, so guys, thank you very much for listening. And um, I'll let Mark um, finish off because I'm about to cough again. Yes, no worries at all. Um, I was kind of hoping he was going to say he was going to get the next round in, but that wasn't the case. Actually, to be fair, I think it is actually my round. Um, so, yes, um, I'm glad you all listened. I'm really sorry we couldn't do an episode last week. It was just one of those things that couldn't be helped. Um, but yes, um, obviously, subscribe, like. We're obviously on the usual. Um, podcast outlets so that's Spotify um, Apple iTunes and Amazon Music oh, you, you know where to find us um, but yeah um, we'll have um, another episode out hopefully it'll come out on the right day next week <laughs> that'll be Thursday um, and yeah uh, thanks again for listening and um, yeah we'll uh, speak to you on the next one bye for now cheers cheers <laughs>